as we continue uh, our series today on Table Talk, um, I want us to consider the full course meal that is available to everybody, available to everybody who has a seat at the Lord's table. Now, I want you to know this morning, I've been, I've been waiting a month to write and preach this sermon. And uh, I know we're low in number today because of the holiday weekend, but I believe there's no better time to preach it than on a day that we're already celebrating freedom. Amen? Because the Word tells us where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I'm going to ask those of you that will, uh, pray for me and with me and just get in with me while I preach this morning, especially if, uh, if you know where I'm going and what I'm preaching about. Uh, I want you to, to, to help me out today because I believe it's going to be beneficial to some that are uh, watching online and, and all of us uh, that are seated in this room today. But just in case you haven't gotten to be with us the last four to five weeks, let me bring you up to speed very quickly about this series that we've been doing on Table Talk. The first week, we, when we talked about Table Talk, we talked about table manners. Getting to the Lord's table, we said, is, is not just enough because when we get to the Lord's table, we need to learn how to behave and how to conduct ourselves when we get there. And we need to remember that our meals, the meal that we serve up here at the Lord's table should always heal. Our meals should always heal. And we need to uh, remember to, I, I used a, a, an analogy, I guess you might say that some thought was funny, but it's nevertheless appropriate. I, I said we need to remember not to blow our noses or uh, at the table or put our elbows on the table. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, once we get to the Lord's table, we need to learn how to keep our noses in our own business and worry about our relationship with the Lord, right? Uh, there's an old saying that says, says it like this, let them do them and you do you, right? That's what we need to do when we get to the Lord's table. We need to keep our elbows off the table. We don't need to be shoving our way in in front of somebody else. We need to be uh, letting them be first and us be last. That's what the Word teaches. And then the next week, we examined what Jesus had to say about the table and in particular, what He had to say about dinner guests. Last week, we took a look at the table in heaven and who all's going to be about at that table. And I don't know about you, but... It excites me to think about that table in heaven and what heaven's going to be like. But this week, I want us to talk about a particular part of the meal that many in the church world today have chosen to pass on. They think that they had already eaten until they were full. And in doing so, and by passing, they're missing the sweetest course of the meal that's served up at the Lord's table. How many can testify in this room today that the Holy Ghost is sweet? Can anybody testify to that? If you will, stand with me all over the room today. We're going to read three verses of Scripture found in the book of Acts. Chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and then verse 8. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The Word said, Once when He, He was Jesus, once in, when He was eating with them, them were the disciples, He commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift He promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized. Say baptized. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. A lot of people say, where do we get that? There's only one baptism. You get baptized in water after you get saved. Jesus here said, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you shall be 
baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. Here's what it said after you're baptized. But you will receive power. Say power. Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want to preach to you in this fourth message on Table Talk this morning. I want to preach to you on saving room for dessert. Saving room for dessert. If you will, I want to ask you, don't just do it out of formality. Pray with me and pray earnestly for me and for the Lord to speak through His Word today. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your presence. Thank You for Your Word. God, I ask for the next few moments that You would remove every hindrance that would come against this service. God, for the next few minutes, that You would loose Your anointing, God, in this place. That, Father, You would decrease me until I'm nothing. I feel like the Apostle Paul this morning. I'm a worm and no man. I'm not worthy, God, of anything that You would bless me with or give me. But if You will, for the next few moments, God, I want to ask you that you would you would speak through me. Let your word be spoken through me today. Anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive. And God, let us leave this place today knowing that we can taste and have tasted of the sweetness of the Holy Ghost. And we'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Elizabeth. A journalist in a women's magazine wrote this. There's no problem that can't be solved with a little dessert. And for those that used to watch and maybe still watch the Golden Girls, how many out there watch the Golden Girls? If you watch them very much, you know that most of the problems in their lives were hashed out at a table as they would devour an entire cheesecake, right? Julia Child said this. A party without a cake is just a meeting. Hmm. I agree with her. And by the same token, I would contest to you today that a church service without the Holy Spirit is nothing more than a religious meeting. Any church service without the power of the Holy Spirit is nothing more than just a religious gathering. And I want to tell you, in the day and time in which we live, it would seem that many folks are concerned with their personal appearance and their physical attraction. And, and that's okay to a certain extent. And in an effort to tone up while thinning down, right? Can I get a witness this morning? They, they may make the choice in an effort to do that to pass on dessert, right? They manage to continually eat what they call nowadays lean and green meals and because they pass on dessert and they eat their leans and greens, they thus achieve the weight loss and the fitness goals if they stick to it that they'd like to achieve. And let's just face it, let's just be honest, when it comes time to go to the beach or the lake, they look a little more attractive in their swimsuits than some of us do. Right? But they don't know how good that made-from-scratch New York cheesecake is that Shelbo can make. They didn't taste that Reese Cup icebox cake that my wife makes and I'm going to eat some of after a while. They didn't, they've never tasted a strawberry cheesecake lush made by none other than Debbie Fields. They've never eaten a strawberry biscuit made by Janelle Martin with strawberries growing on the Martin, the Red Roof Farm. 
They've never eaten a banana chiffon made by Renata Baxter or a homemade fruit salad by Sarah Delph or a grape salad with brown sugar and walnuts made by Karen Collins. They might look better in their swimsuit than I do, but they've not tasted what I've tasted. Help me out just a little bit this morning if you know where I'm going because I'm going somewhere with this word today. Isn't that very similar to what has taken place in the majority of the church world as we know it today? We'll chow down, if you will, on the appetizers because everybody likes good worship, right? And then for the first course of the meal, we'll, we'll digest a little bit of word. But just enough to feel a little conviction. Don't go so far as to make us feel uncomfortable. But we'll digest just enough of it to feel conviction. And then when the next course is served and they make the invitation and they're passing salvation around the table, everybody wants their servant of salvation. Uh, don't nobody want to pass on that. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but don't everybody want to live right. Somebody help me preach today. And then when the next course is passed... Uh, and, and they're, they're, some of them feel like they're already getting full. And so they, they may pass on this while the rest of us might get a little serving of sanctification when the next course is passed out. But by the time it comes for dessert, some are already too full, they think. You ever been to the restaurant when the server comes back and says, did you save any room for dessert? You're like, Lord, no. I don't know where I'd put it. And some folks in the church think that they go so far, they've had enough to get full, and they'll pass on dessert. They're already too full, they think. They think they've had enough to sustain them till next week. And yet there are others in the church who would really like to taste it, but this world system has taught us that when we, as a church, when we pass on dessert, when we skip out on the sweetest part of the meal, the Holy Ghost. Because, see, appetizers prepare you uh, for the meal and to receive the Word. The worship prepares you. It's an appetizer to receive the Word. And then the Word, salvation and sanctification, that's nourishment for your life. But the Holy Ghost is the sweet reward. Somebody help me preach this morning. And when we skip out on dessert, when this world system has taught us that the church, when we skip out on the Holy Ghost, the church becomes more physically attractive. We're a little more appealing to those uh, with their physical eye who may not be like us. And because of that, most of the modern church today, even those that claim to be full gospel, spirit-filled churches, the modern church today has become a people who look good. We've become a people who sound good. We've become a people who sing good. And we may even be a people who preach and publicly speak pretty good. But spiritually speaking, we're too lean and too skinny. We have little to no power and we aren't enjoying one of the most delicious parts of the meal that's served up at the Lord's table. Why do you think the psalmist David said in Psalms 34 and verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Why do you think he went on to say in Psalms chapter 119 and verse 103, When I read 
read this verse, I thought about the Holy Ghost, which we're going to talk about in a few moments. The initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Well, way before the Holy Ghost was sent, we find the psalmist writing in Psalm 119 and 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Can anybody testify this morning that when the Holy Ghost fills your mouth, when He flows up like a river of living water out of your belly and comes out of your mouth, it's sweeter than honey in your mouth. It's sweeter than honey in your mouth. And here in our main text this morning, we find Jesus, where's He at? He's sitting at the table with His disciples. And He's eating with them. And they're wrapping up the main course when He starts telling them how they can obtain the next course of the meal at the Lord's table. Here's what he said in verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 8 he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I want to give you this morning five points. I'm not much of a point preacher, but five points I wrote down when I did an outline, when I asked the Lord what direction to go for this service. Uh, and in the first service, I already apologized. I didn't mean to lie. I told them four. And then when I got to number five, I said, well, I told you four, but I'm going to give you one more. But anyway, five points. The first one is this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is important. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is important. See, Jesus had given the apostles the great commission to go into all the world. You know you know that scripture in Matthew 28, going to the, all the world, preaching the gospel, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All of that, that's what he gave them the command, the great commission to do. And when Jesus gave them that great command in Matthew chapter 28, one might expect that a command like that should be started on right away. Right when Jesus said it, you ought to go right out and do it. But then we find here, Jesus telling them something in Acts. They haven't left Jerusalem yet. And he's telling them something else here that they must do before. Say before. Before they go. He tells them to wait for it. Don't leave without it. Because it was important. Can I tell you this morning that in the church today, the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is important. We need folks who are baptized in the Holy Ghost before they lead us in worship. Hello. We need folks who are baptized in the Holy Ghost before they play music in the band. We need folks baptized in the Holy Ghost before they teach Sunday school class. Somebody help me preach this morning. I mean, I know we have folks that haven't received it yet. That's all right. We don't want you to quit doing what you're doing, but we want you to pray for it that you might receive it. We need folks that are baptized, believe it or not, in the Holy Ghost before they door greet and usher at the door. You know why? Because the baptism of the Holy Ghost is what equips you and enables you and empowers you to do what it is that God has given you to do. And Jesus tells them to wait for it. Not to leave without it. And Jesus himself had spoken 
numerous times about the Holy Spirit on several different occasions. There's several I could give you, but I'm, I'm very quickly I'm going to give you three different accounts, four different accounts. I'm lying again. Lord, help me. Four different accounts this morning of Jesus himself speaking on the Holy Spirit coming. The, for those of you that, that say, uh, oh, I don't know about that. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Yes, there is. That's, that's all very true. But Jesus himself was teaching them that John baptized you with water. It's important to be baptized with water. But he also said, but the, there's one coming after him. It's mightier than I. Siri's talking to us. Praise the Lord. One come, Siri wants the, wants the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen. There's one coming after us. He says, it's mightier than I. And um, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He said, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I'm going to give you some accounts, four accounts where Jesus himself spoke of it. Go with me quickly. John chapter 7. If you want to... You want to jot these down because if you're talking to people that don't understand the baptism, here's some places where you can give them that Jesus himself spoke about it. John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant what? The Spirit, that's what he was talking about. Whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus says, well, he that believes on me, as Scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And by that he meant the Spirit. John 14, 12 through 17 and verse 26. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now watch this. If you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. The King James says he'll send you another comforter to help you and be with you forever. The Holy Ghost comes to help you. Say amen somebody. He's come to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Now listen to this. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor does it know him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. John chapter 15, verse 26. When that Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So we find the Holy Ghost will testify about Jesus. John chapter 16, last one, verses 17 through 15, or 7 through 15. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. It's what Jesus said to his disciples. I tell you, it's good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people don't believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. He said, I've got a lot more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come he will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you all that belongs to the father is mine that is why I said the spirit will receive me from what he will make known to you so here in Acts Jesus who had repeatedly told them about it over and over in the gospel of John tells them to wait for it because it's important in our text today he said wait don't leave Terry. Till, you, till it comes. Don't leave without it. 
And it was the waiting in Jerusalem that enabled them to leave Jerusalem. See, had they left without the promise, they would have left for nothing. Because when we try to fulfill the Great Commission, or we do the work of God without the empowerment of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we won't find success, church. We might find numbers, but we won't find success. Because we're not equipped to do the job. I want to share with you a very familiar passage of Scripture that I read between the lines on something this week that jumped out to me. Psalms chapter 127 and verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. You know what I thought about when I read that? Man can build a house. Man can grow a church. But unless it's the Lord who's drawn them in, man's labor's in vain. <laughs> See, there's something about the Holy Ghost. When you allow Him into your life, He'll change you. He'll make you different than you were before. It's another step in your walk with the Lord. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Time speaking... Seeking the Spirit is not wasted time. However, when we labor without the Spirit, it's wasted labor. Second point I want to talk to you about is there's a purpose in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowerment to be. That's why when I read that passage of Scripture, I emphasized the word be both times that I read it. It's an empowerment to be. And we often think about the power of the Holy Ghost only as the gifts of the Spirit or the manifestation uh, of the Spirit or, or the spiritual part of the services. We think of the power uh, of the Lord moving in a way. And God does all of that. But He says here that He gives us the power to be something. Did you notice that? We often use the term witness as a verb. I'm going to go witness to somebody. That's a verb. That's an act that I'm going to do. But however, here in this passage of Scripture, if you'll put Acts chapter uh, whatever, chapter 2 and verse 8, I think it is, uh, in the main text, the last verse up there, he says here he uses it as a noun. It's a, a noun is a person, place, or thing. And he says, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will what? Be my witnesses. Right here, it's a noun. It's not something that you do. It's not a verb. It's something that you are. Because when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, it's not something you do. It's something you are. And part of being a witness is not just telling somebody about Jesus. It's about how you live your life. That means if you have the Holy Ghost, you'll live right. And let me say it like this, you'll make every attempt you can to live right. If you say you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I may not get much help here, but you won't be out at the bar on Friday and Saturday night boozing it up and then in the church on Sunday morning giving up your worship. If, oh, you don't have to help me. If you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you won't be out here uh, uh, flirting around with people when you're married and you got a spouse at home. If you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you won't be out here exploiting your body, God help us, on social media trying to look for a mate. You'll be so buried in Jesus that they'll have to, that man or that woman will have to find Jesus in order to find you. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you won't lie, cheat, and steal. You won't get mad and cuss somebody 
out, Lord, help me, Jesus. If you've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, then you've got an empowerment to be a representative of the Most High God in everything you do. It's an empowerment to be. And here, we receive power to live right, to develop the fruit of the Spirit, not just demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit. And when we realize that we know we are witnesses, that's who we are, that will naturally include us sharing Jesus with somebody else. That will naturally include manifestations of the Spirit in our lives. Have you, have you ever been somewhere and eaten a dessert that was so good that you wanted to take somebody else back to try it? Whether or not the whole purpose of the trip was so you could get a second serving, you, you know, you took somebody else with you, right? You know what? The sweetness of the Holy Ghost is the same way. Once you've really tasted it for yourself, you will naturally want to bring others to the table. Third point, how can we be baptized, Pastor? Well, first of all, you got to seek. If you want to be baptized, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you got to be seeking the baptism. But then once you're seeking, you also got to learn to wait. I was reading in my uh, Dake Study Bible, and he talks about how uh, the promise of the Father, the gift of the Father, and uh, the Spirit of truth, and all those different things is, is all tied back to the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, in reference. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for it's a promise of the Father. If it's a promise of the Father, that means it's for every believer. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. But that does not mean, you listen to me this morning, we cannot manufacture it. But we'll be baptized on God's timetable. If we're seeking. What do you mean, Pastor, we can't manufacture it? Well, I mean, we can't, uh, we can't tell people, say, my, my, my. And la, la, la. And ta, ta, ta. That's not of God. We can't manufacture it. But when he comes, he'll fill every believer that's seeking for him. Sometimes you just got to wait for it. If you've been praying and seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but you've not received it yet, by all means, don't stop seeking. Just keep waiting. Keep seeking and keep waiting. Now, I don't know about you, but at my house, there's a lot of things I can buy generic brands in, but one of them I can't buy a generic brand in is, is ketchup. I got to buy Heinz ketchup. I don't know. You know, ketchup has sugar. Maybe it's sweeter. I don't know, but I got to buy Heinz ketchup. And in 1987, Heinz ketchup had an advertisement slogan that said, the best things come to those who wait. See, the same is true in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and your pursuit of more of Him and more of His Spirit. Sometimes you just have to wait. But realize, it's not just a passive waiting. It includes continuing to seek and continuing to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so the disciples obviously took this command to wait as an active command because in Acts 1 and 14 it said, look what it says here, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. And when they were praying, 
they continued constantly together in prayer. But the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that when they were when they were praying, that's when the Holy Spirit came down. He said, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we got to pray, we got to seek, and we got to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. On over in Acts chapter 8 and verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. And when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Some folks say, seek not, forbid not. But that always becomes, seek not, receive not. Did you hear me? If you don't seek for the baptism, you won't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But those who had, who have already been baptized in the Holy Ghost, hear me this morning. Anybody in the house been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Let me see your hands. Those who have already been baptized, a lot of people, those who have already been baptized in the Holy Ghost should pray for those who are seeking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We should pray for those who are seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to notice, it wasn't coaching them on how to be filled with the Spirit. It was praying for them to receive. When you're praying with somebody that's seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to try to tell them what to say. If you're Holy Ghost filled yourself and you're automatically, you're already praying for them to receive the baptism, they're going to hear the Holy Ghost manifestation come out through you when you're praying for them. Fourth thing, what's the sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked because this is where the church gets divided. A lot of folks want to debate it. And even, honestly, in, in 2008, I believe it was, in Church of God, our declaration of faith says, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance and that this is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, we had, uh, we had a group, now don't get me wrong, there's several thousand licensed, credentialed ministers in the church of God, but we had a group of about 212 who in 2008 at the General Assembly wanted to put a motion that we change our declaration of faith to say we believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of love. Yeah. That didn't go very far. Not in our movement, thank the Lord. We should have love. We should exhibit other gifts of the Spirit. But Jesus himself... And the Word tells us in multiple passages of Scripture that the evidence, the initial evidence, is speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. I'm going to prove it to you this morning. The initial physical sign is speaking in other tongues. Acts 2 and, and 4 said that uh, they, they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I've already read that one to you. Let me give you two more. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Ghost had been poured out even on Gentiles. The Jews were astonished that it was poured out even on the Gentiles. Why? Listen to this. For they heard them doing what? Speaking in tongues and praising God. Uh, Acts chapter 19 and verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they what? Spoke in tongues and prophesied. And this was proof enough to Peter to accept the Gentile believers, the uncircumcised, into the faith. 
They, there may or may not be other signs, like the wind and the fire and the different things that we read about in the Word. But speaking in tongues is repeated over and over and over again in Scripture. And we find it every time as the initial evidence. That's how they knew they had been filled with the Spirit was they heard them speaking in tongues. And there's also more evidence, obviously, if one has ever been baptized in the Holy Ghost, that we'll also see them being a witness. There's too much of this stuff that goes on in Pentecost nowadays where we're in church speaking in tongues on Sunday and out living like the world on Friday and Saturday. Uh-huh. See, as Pentecostals, I'm going to preach to us for just a moment. A lot of times we put too much or so much emphasis on speaking in tongues. While we got to remember that is the initial sign, that's not debatable. That is the initial sign. But it is not the end or even the purpose for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not the end or even the purpose. The purpose of it is it'll change us. It'll make us witnesses. It'll make us more like Jesus. we got to seek the Spirit, not the tongues. When you seek the Spirit, the tongues will come. So if you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, don't get so hung up on tongues. Just get yourself in a place where you're seeking God for everything that He'll give you, and you'll, you'll, speak, you'll, you'll receive the baptism. Listen, I remember when I received, and i got one more point and I'll close, but I remember when I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, first of all, let me say this. I thought all y'all were crazy. I mean crazy. I, I, loved, I loved people like you. But I thought you was crazy. I wasn't raised in this. I mean, we had, I saw people that jumped up and down all the time and people that hold their heads when they shouted. And all kinds of crazy stuff to me that was crazy that went on. I thought, them people's crazy. They're good people, but they're crazy. But I want to tell you something. If you really seek the Lord, He'll fill you. I'll never forget the night that I was sitting. I went into the altar and prayed. And I, I loved all the people that I went to church with there. I mean, the teenagers that invited me in, the, the, the other people in the congregation that made me feel just like family. And it was a fairly large church. And uh, I, I loved going to church there, but I just did not, I was not one of them. How many knows what I'm talking about? I was not, you know, nowadays they say I'm one of them. I think there's a, an Appalachian Pentecostal song that says that. But anyway, I'm glad Nicholas don't sing it. I am one of them, but I don't, I don't know that I, but anyway. But, um, but anyway, I, I just was not one of them. And I remember praying in the altar. And then I sat down on the front row. Here's what I said to the Lord. When you get serious, God will prove himself to you. I sat there and I said, God, now if this is really you, and this is really real, and you really want me to have it, give it to me. I'm ready. And I'm telling you right now, the last thing I remember after I said that, I lifted my head up. I was sitting right on the front row. Last thing I remember was a was an elderly lady. She's elderly now. I wasn't not so much then. She's probably closer to my age. She she was on this side of the room praying for somebody else, and she just did this number. As soon as I said that, I remember her looking up and around, and her eyes fixated on me. And she come just gliding across that floor. The last thing I remembered is she touched my forehead. Had I not been holding into the bottom of that pew, and had that pew not been bolted to the floor, I'd have vibrated that pew all over that church house. I began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I want to tell you something. Nobody ever taught me. Nobody ever coached me on what to say. Nobody ever said, say this, do that. Let, you know, I've had the 
people pray for me that say, you know, on one side they're praying and screaming, let go, and on the other side they're praying and screaming, hold on, right? That'll confuse a little Baptist boy, let me tell you right now. But nobody was telling me what to do or what to say, but I'm telling you, the last thing I remember, she touched my head after I told the Lord, if this is really real, and this is really you, and you really want me to have it, she touched me on the forehead, I held on to the bottom of that pew with all I had, and my body began to shake, and the Holy Ghost filled me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. People told me I spoke in tongues like I'd been in Pentecost all my life. I'm here to tell you, you've come too late to to tell me it's not real. You've come too late to tell me it's not necessary. You've done come too late to tell me we don't need it in the church today because it will change your life. I used to say, I don't understand why they jump up and down while they worship. Well, guess who jumps up and down now? Guess who dances now? I'm telling you, it's real. It's real. I know. I know it's real. Hallelujah. So what happens after the baptism? This is my last point. I'm going to close. See, a baptism, here's what a baptism is. A baptism is an initiation. It's an outward sign of an inward work. Uh, Your baptism in water is not the fullness of your walk with Christ. It's merely just the beginning of your walk with Christ. Peter said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. You do it after you get saved. Jesus said in the Gospels that we should teach them and baptize them, right? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, After you get saved, you get baptized because that's just an outward sign of the inward work that's taking place in your life. Likewise, you've got to continue to take advantage of that initiation every day by continuing your walk with the Lord. You don't just get saved and baptized and then return to the way you were. You get up every day. What did Paul say? Paul said, I die daily. He said, I'm crucified with Christ, but yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives within me. So you've got to take advantage of that initiation every day. Well, likewise, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know what that is? The tongues is just the outward manifestation of the inward work that's going on when the Spirit begins to flow out of your belly like a river of living water. That's that's exactly what it is. And it's, listen, thank God the baptism in the Holy Ghost is not your end all to your experience with the Lord or the Holy Spirit. Because now what I just told you, I told you I thought y'all was crazy. Then I told you I received the baptism. Let me tell you, I'm thankful that that was not an end all. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I was one of those people that had a zeal. I loved the Lord with all my heart. But I had a zeal that was not according to knowledge. I'd shout after I received the Holy Ghost, after I thought everybody else was crazy. And I sat with my little reserved self in services until I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. After I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'd shout at the drop of a hat. And if you didn't drop a hat, I'd drop it for myself. I wasn't backward, I wasn't shy, I didn't care. Sometimes I'd speak in tongues really out of order. I'm going to be honest with you. I'd speak in tongues over top of the preacher, and I wasn't giving a message in tongues. I'd speak in tongues over top of the music. I had a zeal not according to knowledge. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, thank God that's not an end all to our walk with the Spirit. The Bible says when He comes, He'll teach you all things, and you'll begin to grow in Him. So it's not an end all. It marks the beginning of your living in the fullness of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, our main text that we read, the Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't give them this passage of Scripture, but on over in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, some of you raised your hands a few moments ago. 
and said, you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. Some of those same people in Acts chapter 4 were praying that had prayed in Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. See, what just happened a few days ago, it happened again. Did you hear me? Some of those same people, because the first time it said they were all filled. Then in Acts chapter 4, they were praying again. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened before? It happened again. I want to tell you, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not something you just testify that, yeah, I received it and I spoke in tongues 10 years ago and I've not spoken in tongues since. He'll fill you and refill you. And refill you and refill you. And as you walk with Christ in the fullness of His Spirit, when you make room for Him, as they come to the music this morning, when you make room for Him, it'll happen again and again and again and again. But every day, you've got to continue to walk in the Holy Spirit. So as they get ready to sing today, I have a question I want to ask you. I'm not asking you about anybody else. I'm asking you about you. Do you want more of the Lord? Do you want more of His Spirit? Pastor, I don't, I don't know about all of that. Listen, I've given you word, word that cannot be argued with about all of that. you got to make up your mind if you want more. Do you desire to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? I don't just mean shouting and speaking in tongues. I mean, do you desire to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Or are you going to be one of those people and there's a lot that say, nah, I'll pass. Not going to have any of that. You're giving up the tastiest part of the meal at the Lord's table. Or are you going to save room for dessert? Are you going to offer yourself and say, Lord, here I am. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. If you'll stand with me all over the room today, I tell you, He wants to fill us. I said He wants to fill us. His will is to fill us with power. He wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And the initial evidence of that baptism will be speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That's the initial evidence. But it's the beginning of a walk in the fullness of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, I'd like to see somebody today taste some dessert that will change your life forever. I'd like to see somebody today that will partake of the fullness of God. And I promise you, if you do, the evidence of the Holy Ghost will be sweeter than honey in your mouth. I want to ask you if you will, just right where you are. I feel like doing this differently than I did in the first service today. I want Abby to sing for a few moments, and I want you to just put everything else aside in your mind. Don't focus on anybody else. Focus on yourself. Ask yourself, do I really want more? And if you want more, make yourself available to Him right now.